You're listening to the Simple Self-Care Podcast, your weekly nudge to take good care. I'm your host, Randy Kay. In a world where we've become all about the likes and the followers and the curated feeds and all of that, it's hard to know if we are really connecting with each other online. And if we are, it's hard to tell if that connection is feeding our deep need to connect or feeding our addiction to escape and comparisons. I believe that social media can be used for good when it's used mindfully and honestly. And someone who is a leading force for good in that department is writer, photographer, and natural beauty queen, Lily Diamond. I was introduced to Lily's blog, Kale and Caramel, through our mutual friend, Molly Gay. After having Molly on the podcast, she recommended that I check out Lily's work. Uh, P.S. You should head back and listen to that podcast if you haven't, because it's very delightful. Anyway, so of course I looked up Lily and instantly became a fan and I ordered her book and followed her on all the things and started to get to know this lovely lady. And last week, Lily started a conversation on her Instagram about the need to be more honest about who we are and what we're going through on social media. She started using the hashtag HonestInsta and invited others to share and use it as well. And that conversation quickly turned into a movement. It was so moving to see how many people started sharing so beautifully with the world all of the ups and downs we tend to hide from each other, and to see the support and community that formed around relating and being there for each other. And I'm so thrilled to have Lily on the podcast this week to talk more about her hashtag honest insta movement, how it started, the difference it's made, and about the topics of honesty and vulnerability in general. And naturally, our conversation evolved to cover so much more than that. So make yourself comfy and enjoy my real talk with Lily. The conversation starts with us chatting about her recent book, Kale and Caramel. Yes, and I do have your book, and I love it. <laughs> Very oh, much. yay! <laughs> so I'm so glad. Yeah, I just really appreciate the... I don't know, bringing in, I love the narrative aspect of it, the, and it just, I don't know, brings more flavor to what you're doing when you know more of the backstory of it, I think. Um, Absolutely. I mean, the, the, even the structure of the book is really organized around the narrative or healing journey mm-hmm. for yeah. me with using these aromatic herbs and flowers to help move through the grief of losing my mom. And so to have those stories interwoven was really important to me. Yeah. And I think sharing that part with it has helped create this beautiful community, I think, like in your Mm -hmm. Instagram and just surrounding what you do, it seems like you create space for these kinds of vulnerability and just really being yourself which is really lacking in the world today, I think. Um, So yeah, that's one thing why I was really drawn to your work was just like, oh, it's more than just helpful recipes or this kind of beauty mask. Like there's actually a community around it and a movement around it. 
Oh, I love to hear that. When I, you know, when the book came out, my feeling was if this book can just make one person feel a little bit less alone, that will be worth it to me. Mm-hmm. And I think leading from that place um, has been really powerful because I do, I feel like, you know, we, we often do feel just so alone in our vulnerabilities and in our um, sadnesses and in the grieving process even. Um, and so I'm, I'm really glad to hear that you have experienced the, the other side of that. I'm thrilled. Yeah. What, why do you think that is? Why do we tend to feel alone in these kinds of emotions? I feel like we spend so much time being bombarded by all kinds of media that tell us the story of um, a kind of perfection. Um, not that I think that's what perfect is, but that's sort of what we have in our heads that, you know, there's from advertisements and movies and magazines and um, social media and, you know, the ubiquity of everyone being on their phones all day and being on, um, you know, Instagram or Facebook all the time where we're really celebrating the high moments. And that's wonderful, but it also means that the more challenging, more complex moments, um, the conversations that are harder to have get left behind. And so I think it's really easy then to feel like when we do have moments that aren't about celebration, um, it's hard to know what to do with them because we don't live in a culture where they're part of the conversation. Yeah. Well, I just find it I, I don't know. I have lots of thoughts. Tell me <laughs> the moment. Tell me them all. <laughs> it's like triggering all these emotions that I want to share all at once. Um, but how about we structured around um, kind of the thing that perked this particular conversation is something you've been doing on your Instagram lately. So speaking of, you know, only putting like a certain messaging forward, it seemed like you had this moment of like throwing up your hands, like enough of this. And you just put out this movement with the hashtag of honest Insta. And um, it's been incredible to see everybody be like, yes, let's share this stuff. Um, These rollover moments, these like things that we tend to hide about ourselves. Um, So could you share a little bit about uh, what motivated that and what you've seen from that? Yeah, it's been so fascinating to watch it kind of spiral out into the world and really encouraging. Um, Honestly, it came exactly as you said, it was very much sort of a throwing up my hands moment. I saw this meme, a friend shared um, by an account called Folk Rebellion. um, And it's an artist, I believe her name is Jess Davis. And um, the meme was, you know, very beautifully lettered, sentiment that said, don't forget to pretend to have your shit together for people on the internet today. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. it just like cracked something open to me. I mean, I thought it was so funny. I was just like, yes, this is, I mean, this is the summation of what so many of us do um, when we feel like, especially those of us who are in business, you know, when we feel like, okay, we need to post something because we're obligated to 
our audience, our businesses to, to keep things going. We want to, you know, keep traffic moving, keep the numbers growing, all of that. And, um, and so we, you know, we post whatever that is a pretension really of what's, what's actually happening. And, um, and I just, at, at, at that moment, I had been to back up a little bit um, since the book came out really in May of 2017, last year, last summer, um, I had been feeling this very strong pull to find ways to be more inclusive of everything that I care about most in my day-to-day work, where it was just felt really urgent, particularly in light of what's happening in the world politically and sociopolitically, um, to not be leaving parts of myself or parts of the pieces that are most important to me behind. That when I'm talking about something to an audience, which I, I happen to have an audience, however, you know, small or large, it felt like if I have this opportunity, shouldn't I be talking about the things that are really most important to me? And while, yes, I do love food and cooking and wellness and self-care and, um, you know, treating my body as, you know, the the temple that it is and all of these things that are are really important to me they're vital because they're the the foundation of being able to um do any other kind of work in the world is we have to take care of ourselves but at the same time there was a part of me that just it I felt a little bit hollow because I didn't I was worried that if I um, shared the full scope of what was most important to me that I would lose these followers who were just along for the ride for the beautiful, you know, fig galettes and like, you know, the, 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 the beautifully curated images and all of that. And I, I'm a photographer. So part of my work also is, is creating beauty. And I don't think that like beauty and honesty don't go hand in hand and they can, they can coexist. But for me, it was really just a matter of saying, am I being fully honest and fully self-expressed around what I care about most to these people who are following me on, on this journey that we're on together. And I, you know, I've spoken so honestly about so many things about, you know, grief and loss and, um, and yet they don't feel totally integrated into the day to day. And I wanted to change that. Um, and so when I saw this, when I saw this meme, it, it did kind of crack something open. And, and to be completely honest with you, I didn't connect those dots in my head right away. I didn't like in those, you know, 30 seconds that I read the meme and then shared it and then gave this, you know, invitation for others to join. I really didn't have some like long game in mind. In fact, when I first shared the the second slide, you know, it was on I shared the meme on Insta stories and then I shared a second story that said 
you know, that sort of expressed what I was feeling, which was, can we all just agree to be a little bit more honest on here? And I almost just posted it. And then I thought, you know what, I should just give people an opportunity if they want to join in um, to use a hashtag and, and maybe, you know, people will inspire each other. I wasn't even thinking of this bigger picture of what I had sort of been wrestling with, which sounds silly, you know, in hindsight, but um, I, and, and so then I, you know, I shared that, shared the hashtag and shared uh, then a picture of myself. I, I had had a really rough day. I get these sort of chronic neck and headaches that often leave me um, really nauseated. And I was just having one of those days and I had done a full work day despite of it, but at around like four o'clock had just climbed into bed and was watching Grey's Anatomy and like trying to force some food into myself so that I didn't go to bed without having eaten anything. Um, and that was the state I was in when all of this started. (laughs) I love a good Grey's Anatomy to get the truth out of you, you know? Yes. Oh my gosh. (laughs) I'm like, it's funny because I had, I, I binged, this is embarrassing, but I binged (laughs) the entire, like all 13 seasons last year. Nice. Um, wow. How did your heart handle that? I <laughs> don't know. <laughs> it's I mean, I, it was, it was pretty epic. And I think there was something that I loved about and continue to love about it that, uh, death is such a like constant presence in the series that is, was very comforting to me. I think there's um, a way to approach death, of course, with a lot of morbidity, but there's also a way to approach death where it's just like, it's a part of day-to-day life. And um, I, I think I'm somewhere in between, in between the two. And I mean, there are many, you know, there's a lot of fear and other, other um, ways in which we, we look at death, of course, but like, something about the way that they approach death on, on that show is very comforting to me. I think having lost, gone, you know, gone through, um, losing my, my mom pretty young, well, relatively young, I was 24. Um, but yeah, there's just something comforting about it. And I'd kind of forgotten how much of a tearjerker it is uh, because there was this long gap, you know, a few months after I finished the last of what was on Netflix. And then I just noticed when I hadn't been on Netflix in a while, I just noticed that it popped up and I started in again. And of course, just, I don't know, within the first like 20 minutes was just sobbing. <laughs> yeah, it's one of those shows where it does bring all of these feels out, but you're like, how? Why? No. And it's like, I just don't want to accept the fact. Like, there's certain shows where I'm like, oh, yeah, it makes me cry. I'm going to embrace it. But with Grey's, I'm like, I don't want you to make me cry, but you are. Really? That's so <laughs> <Yeah>. funny. <laughs> I totally just embrace it. I'm That's like, good. okay, here we go. It's the Grey's Anatomy experience. <laughs> that's how I feel about Queer Eye I'm just yeah like, I'm just I know I I watched some of that too I I watched the first season and I'm just a couple episodes into the second season so good it's good. good um well yeah we I'm sure we could do our whole podcast on like yeah. 
Grey's Anatomy bringing totally. out life changes because I've got my own stories on that. But one thing about what you said that I, I really love is how you weren't planning on this being like a thing. Like it just came from an impulse. And I think that is such um important thing to recognize because when truth needs to come out, it just comes out. And yes. And it's not always this curated, you know, big intentional thing. It's like, sometimes it just like barfs out of us <laughs> through a hard moment. And it's exactly what the people in your life and what you need. And it takes on a life of its own. And I think that's one thing about being somebody who, who cares about helping people and connecting authentically is that you get to be a vehicle for that messaging and it kind of takes the personal out of it if that makes sense absolutely and i've felt so many impulses as this you know some people started have started calling it a movement which i'm just so <laughs> in awe of i mean yeah. like in awe of what it is outside of me having nothing to do with me and i love that and one of the th- like i've noticed myself you know i'll have an impulse to say to like sort of curate it I'm like no 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 but the no I didn't mean exactly that or like no that's not the direction and I'm like no this doesn't have anything to do with me you know and I'm I'm fine like I don't need it to to be about me or to have to have something to do with me I don't need to curate it I don't need to tell people what it is or isn't about um for me I think it's really just about giving people an opportunity to change the kinds of conversations that they're having and that they're seeing on social media and on Instagram in particular, which tends to be so highly curated. And, you know, one of the things that has come out of it that I felt right away was, oh, I hope that people don't um, start to think that this is like a replacement or a space for therapy because mm-hmm. you know that that's a very real concern that i have um regarding both you know psychotherapy and also eating disorders and especially in the food world like you see so much of um there can be a real use of uh the space as as a kind of confessional arena um, where it seems like this is happening in lieu of the person really getting the help that they need. And that that's a very real fear that I have because I don't, that certainly isn't any kind of implication. And there was a part of me, even as I wrote up the post yesterday, that I wanted to clarify that, like, hey, I just, you know, want to say if if there's anybody who is out there who like really you know needs medical attention medical attention is extremely important and social media is never like an alternative to that or for that and yet i i didn't i held back from doing that just because again like i don't um i don't want to i don't want to make it seem like I'm prescribing what this can or can't be. Uh, but I do think there's a fine line and and it's something that I care about a lot because I care about people getting the help that they need. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I think for those kinds of things, if that messaging is really important, it will come up organically. Yeah. I feel like, um, but it is kind of a, especially if you're not anticipating it being like a big thing, it's almost like, okay, what is this? And how am I supposed to be this messenger of all these things? Well, and there are no, you know, there are no ground rules for a movement. It it becomes whatever it becomes. Mm -hmm. It's something, you know, far beyond what I can control, but I, I do feel like that is something that I know I'm, I, I want to find a way to talk about because I, something that a couple of people have brought up to me is that um, they've seen sort of the flip side of this on Instagram, which maybe this is something you're familiar with. I'm not as familiar with it. And I, I think in part that's because I actually am very careful about who I follow. And if, if I'm following somebody who I see behaving or posting in ways that feel inauthentic to me, I will just immediately tune out um, because it, it really rubs me the wrong way. But some people have mentioned that they've seen sort of the flip happening, which is that um, people will almost use authenticity or realness as a way to, um, I don't know, like elicit some kind of response in a way that doesn't feel authentic to, I guess, some of their followers, or that's what these people were saying to me. Right. Or is it, you mean like where people will share a post where they're like, kind of faking like oh look at me being vulnerable but it's actually a way for you to buy my product or exactly or I'm trying to show you that I'm multi-dimensional right or some someone was saying that there are some people who like will post pictures of themselves crying or things like that that I Mm -hmm. guess just didn't strike um and when I say people I mean like people with large followings who Mm -hmm. are sort of influencing the direction or the directionality that their followers are, are thinking in. And um, yeah. And so I was like, Oh, wow. I haven't, you know, I, I've seen some of that. I think certainly surrounding eating disorders, I have a lot of concerns about, mm-hmm. about a lot of things that I've seen on, on, on social media in that regard. But um I haven't seen it as much just in the arena of um, of people kind of oversharing or I hate using overshare, that's the wrong word, but of being, as you say, vulnerable for the sake of eliciting a, a kind of response that, that isn't authentic. And um, I, I think for me that that's not at all what what I intended in in kind of spreading the use of this um, and sharing, you know, that hashtag honest Insta for me was just really about, can we all just be real mm-hmm. on here? And if that's total pure joy, amazing. And if that's, you know, just kind of low lying, not feeling great, also amazing. And if that's, you know, I just started taking antidepressants 
um, and I'm terrified, also amazing. Like mm-hmm. all of these things are, you know, have a place and none of it is a replacement for getting the kind of like professional help that mm-hmm. we all may need at times. Well, this will fit perfectly into um, the podcast I'm doing right after this one. So next week and the week after is all about mental health. So perfect. <laughs> so just stay tuned, listeners, and and that need that help. And I'll really dive into that and and covering a few of these things, like kind of that fine line between um, vulnerability and sharing and reaching out when we need it, but then also like how do we uh, reach out in a way that is proactive and not destructive. You know? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I'm such a firm believer in asking for help and in, in getting help. I think that's part of our, our, you know, this tendency to feel alone and to isolate is we don't know how to ask for help. Mm-hmm. And a part of that is pride and, you know, wanting I think this very like American spirit of, of like, I, I'm going to do it on my own. I'm going to pull myself up by my, my bootstraps and like, I'm going to get through this thing. And we are in a place personally and interpersonally and politically where we need each other so deeply. Like we, we need each other more than ever. And I think the more we can communicate that both you know, individually and as a community, the better off we will be. And that doesn't mean that we, you know, can all give each other the exact help that we need, but it does mean that there should be a place for um, the full spectrum of the human condition. And when we see someone who is, you know, hurting, we, we are able to say to them, like, let's help you. Like, let's, let's find a way for you to get help. Let's get you the support that you need. Um, and that there's, I wish that there weren't shame around that in the way that there is like, there's so much shame around vulnerability. And of course, like we've had these incredible vulnerability warriors like Brene Brown, who've, you know, come, come out and really help to bust open those pathways to you know, both internally, the neural pathways to our sharing more with each other, but externally, the, you know, community oriented pathways around uplifting vulnerability and really showcasing how, um, how we can get there as a community. And I think all of those are just so vital to um, our mental health individually and, and as a society right now. Yeah, I think it's such a such a thing that needs to learn how to be navigated. And I do love that we are as a society, it we're just figuring it out, you know. And I think that's part of what your hashtag has brought to light is like, okay, we don't really know how to counter this culture we've created, but like let's try this, you know, and 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 see how it goes and see if we're able to get that connection that we're craving and what other conversations does it bring up? And, you know, will that conversation make me feel more safe into reaching out to a therapist and and getting help? So I think it's, 
it's we I don't think we have all the answers quite yet. Um, but I I do feel optimistic that like conversations like this one uh and what like Brene Brown has been doing and things like that like we're we're getting there we're getting closer which yep. feels good yep absolutely and you know i i finally watched yesterday the campaign ad or one of them campaign videos for um Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez um and who is a you know a recent candidate in New York and um her ad this video ad that she made went totally viral and um it was just a beautiful expression of sharing vulnerability as a as a strength and really you know expressing her you know coming from a place of like not being a traditional candidate not being you know the the traditional type of person that people would look to as a, you know, political mover and shaker. And yet all of the vulnerability is from, you know, her background to um, her, you know, unique perspective that she has because of the community where she grew up. They're all strengths. And it, it really, for me, was very heartening to see like, okay, on a bigger level, even this is a way in which we're shifting the conversation to um, really look at, you know, how, how we need a new paradigm for not only ourselves, not only our communities, but, you know, even and obviously our politics. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's nice to start seeing some light in that arena Mm -hmm. (laughs) absolutely Um, and again it's just like when I just love that you had this thought process of like okay I have developed this platform how can I now use it for something deeper you know and I think food and your approach to it um is is a gateway, you know, and, you know, politics is a gateway, you know, anything, any platform that we end up having can be this gateway for something deeper. And it's asking ourselves that question of like, you know, how can I do that in a way that can really land with people? So absolutely. Yes. And that's the thing. And that's what more than anything, I just feel like this upsurge of joy that, wow, you know, people want this. People want a new paradigm for themselves of how they're sharing and how they're connecting with each other. And that to me is the most beautiful thing. And, and that's also part of why I haven't, you know, stepped in and said, oh, wait, no, 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 it's not like this. It's like this. It's, you know, it's mm-hmm. like, no, that's not, it's a, it, this is about whatever, um, people are really feeling and experiencing and, and just witnessing that for me. And that was actually, interestingly, that was the word that I initially used when I shared the hashtag. I was like, you know, if you want to use this hashtag and, and tag me so I can witness, like, just mm-hmm. like, please feel free. And um, really, I was using that in that word in the sense of both, you know, 
really just witnessing as, as a kind of honoring for people mm-hmm. and whatever they were going through. Um, and because I do think so often people need to, you know, we need to feel seen fundamentally as humans. I think it's, that's part of that feeling alone or that loneliness that even though we are more connected than ever, we tend to feel lonelier than ever because on some level, we're not feeling seen. We're not really feeling met where we are. And so for me to, to just even take, you know, 10 seconds and really witness what somebody else is going through is an incredibly profound act. And we all have the ability to do that for each other without the kind of filter of trying to um, change or fix or uh, whatever, just to, Mm -hmm. to really like witness. And of course, again, that's not to say that like we want to also support people in getting the help that they need when that's what's necessary because I think that's really a vital step that we see that's that's missing um and that you know we can see that so clearly in in a in a world where we're you know seeing so so many suicides and shootings and things like that that there's this tremendous imbalance around people really getting the help that they need so that's certainly Mm -hmm. a big part of it but yeah yeah I I love that um that you brought that to light of the importance of being seen like I I talk about that a lot with when I work with my like self-care coaching clients and my community is that even with our our negative emotions that come up they want to be seen. They want to be heard, even if it's just by us, you know, by ourselves, because we tend to not even look at ourselves in that way. You know, we don't want to, you get anxiety, you just want to do whatever you can to get it to go away as fast as possible. And we, you know, we want to put these band-aids and, and cover things up and not even being willing to look ourselves like deeply in the mirror and see these parts of ourselves. And I know for me and my own healing, that has been what has helped me get through my own stuff is like acknowledging every part of myself and being like, okay, depression, like I see you, let me give you a hug. And like, what do you have to say? And when I do that, I I actually work through that funk or whatever faster. Yes, Um, absolutely. There's this um, incredible work called IFS or internal family systems um, that I was introduced to actually through Alanis Morissette's podcast. Have you ever listened to that podcast? I have not. I heard her on a podcast talking about it, but I haven't listened to it yet. Was it Oprah's Super Soul Sunday? Sure was. I love I, that's how I also <laughs> found it. I was mm-hmm. listening to Super Soul Sunday and I heard Alanis, who I love. Mm-hmm. And yes. um, I was like, wait, Alanis has a podcast? How do I get that? <laughs> and like, what is that about? And I, I was like, what is that even going to be? And so <laughs> I started listening and it's basically her having these extraordinarily um, profound conversations about psychology and spirituality and relationship with 
sort of the leading figureheads of a variety of different psycho-spiritual movements and, and psychotherapeutic movements. And one of her guests is this man named Richard Schwartz, who um, originated this type of therapy called internal family systems. Um, and I want to make sure I'm getting that right. Let me just double check. Um, and uh, in the process um, of learning about that, they talk a lot about, uh, yeah, it's internal family systems. Um, it's it's similar to the Gestalt method of therapy where, you know, this is a very brief sketch, so forgive me if I'm getting anything wrong, listeners, please. <laughs> Um, but, um, where, you know, with Gestalt therapy, often the, um, the person who is undergoing therapy will, um, sit like across from where they might typically sit and have conversations where they're sort of like projected outside of, of the process of sitting in their own seat, speaking from their own voice. Um, and IFS really looks at all taking all of the different voices that we are influenced by and that you know we hear at any given moment in our own minds so um there you know we might hear the voice of um our mothers our fathers our you know the 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 group of mean kids in middle school who used to tease us like you know all of those different voices and um really looks at them in terms of the different roles that they play and, and Schwartz has created names for these different roles that they play. There are firefighters, there are exiles, there are managers and these different roles. Um, when we're very young, they get sort of established. And what happens is as we grow, um, the, the different roles that, learn to take on different responsibilities from places of wounding or trauma will continue to play out their roles long after we have perhaps healed, perhaps we don't need them anymore, but those firefighters keep running and those managers keep running up to the fore to like do the thing that they always do because that's what they learn to do to keep us safe. And one of the, the elements of, um, that approach, that therapeutic approach is that you actually start to acknowledge um, those parts of yourself that are constantly like whatever, you know, you tend to do to keep yourself safe or whatever parts of yourself you tend to cast aside those exiled parts of yourself in order to, to like not, you know, to, to survive, to keep yourself safe, to not feel as deeply as you, um, are because it, it maybe doesn't feel safe to, that we bring those back. We ask those to come back. We acknowledge those parts of ourselves and we actually have a conversation with them um, that se- in which we say, you know, I'm no longer in that place where like, you don't have to do that work for me anymore. I'm okay. You don't have to, you know, come up and, and save the day and you know, put on the show of defensiveness in order to, to keep me from feeling or whatever it might be. You know, it's a very, like, very rude sketch of what, you know, something might be of that nature. But I found that 
um, model to be so profound and it's some of it's similar to some of the work that I've done in therapy before um, that I've found to be so helpful because we do have all of these different parts of ourselves that um, can, you know, come up at any given moment. And we really often don't understand where they're coming from or how to manage them or how to even, as you say, talk to them. And um, I loved that approach. And I love, you know, as you're saying, to be able to really just acknowledge what's arising, to witness it within ourselves, to see it and not to turn away and to to work with that, to be real with that, with ourselves, with, you know, in therapy and whatever that means in terms of really getting whole and getting clear. Yeah. I love that. I'll have to, I'll have to look into that more. I haven't heard of that kind of approach before, but definitely the principles of it I've, I've experienced. Um, One thing that I do is why I love journaling so much because it's a way to really hear from yourself and I'll ask myself a question of like where where is this anxiety coming from or what you know whatever I'm going through and then I'll just set a timer for like five or ten minutes and just free write and just like write to myself and like tell myself what I how I feel and it's so I mean, some days it's like, yeah, okay, that was interesting. But sometimes it's like, oh, holy crap. <laughs> I didn't realize I, one, knew all the answers I was looking for. And two, like that this is like what my truth actually is, you know? Yes. So I find that that to be a great like daily practice or, you know, whenever you need it. Um, just write, just write to yourself, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. I'm that's, you know, writing has been at the core of my, um, my, my, myself, my being from the time I was very young. Um, and certainly, you know, was the way that I found, um, my way through in addition to, th- to, to a great therapist and really mm-hmm. great mentors and teachers, mm-hmm. um, it, through the grief and, uh, I think there's no, in, in a lot of ways, there's no greater tool that we have than the ability to fully be honest with ourselves and really express what is going on. And often it's difficult to 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 be honest with ourselves in the way that um, we really need to. Um, and and writing is such an incredible way to to do that. And I'm I'm actually working on a project with my uh, writing teacher and teacher and mentor um, that I'll be able to talk about soon that is very much in alignment with what we're we're talking about right now so I'm excited to share yay um, yeah. we'll have to have you back on to talk about yes absolutely um, yeah I I well we can totally relate on this because my my degree is in writing as well and part of why I chose that degree is so I could just do it all the time. <laughs> yeah. And uh it again it it is such a powerful healing tool. So I'm really excited to to see what you got brewing in that department. Yes, uh, me too. Yeah, it really is and and I think we are so in need um now of of being able to to really set down our our stories and understand um 
what it is we're experiencing and writing is such a tremendous aid in that in that mm-hmm. process and it doesn't have to be i think so many people feel intimidated by it because there's this idea that it has to be somehow perfect or crafted or anything like that and it is just it's utterly the opposite you know mm-hmm. i think there's for me a blank page is a space that is it, to, it a blank page is just a space of total freedom mm-hmm. and um that uh, you know, I, I, my hope is that people really get to experience that themselves. For sure. So speaking of uh, your things that you do, like writing to help uh, process things, what, after all that you have been through and learned, and even with this honest Insta movement, um, what does your self-care practice look like? Or what's your approach to this topic? Mm. Um, in terms specifically in terms of this, uh, of, of honest Insta or just broader self-care? Um, broader self-care. And if it fits into honest Insta, then it does. Yeah. That. <laughs> sure. Yeah. So broader self-care for me right now, um, looks like, I mean, on a day-to-day basis, it's, um, nourishing my body inside and out. So means getting a lot of greens and proteins and um, nourishing fats and oils and um, and also you know not being obsessive about food is really important to me. Um, I grew up at a time I think we all we all did, but I I grew up with like a very intense. Um, set of uh, people around me going through a lot of challenges with eating disorders and ending up in the hospital. And I think it really, that really shaped me um, and how, and my approach to, to food. And also my, my parents both were varying degrees of, of orthorexic and, you know, were very, very controlled about they're eating and orthorexia. In, I know it's not a term that a lot of people are familiar with, but it it essentially is um, an obsession with healthy eating to the degree that it it instills fear and controls your eating habits. Um, are you familiar with the term? Mm-hmm. Is that? Do you feel like that's an okay uh, definition? Yeah. No, I think that's. I think that's great. Yeah. So I grew growing up in all that, I, I did learn to be, you know, very measured in my own eating habits for sure, because I, I never wanted my parents to criticize me, but I also grew up, I, I saw, you know, the flip side of that, which was, um, this, you know, incredibly damaging, life-threatening, um, anorexia and bulimia. And it, it was very scary for me. And even in college as well, I had friends who were, um, would end up in the hospital more than once. And it just, it really, I think, shaped my approach to, to kale and caramel, you know, to like being healthy, but really not being obsessive and to be, to, to allowing ourselves to have some space to, for, for play and fun and whimsy in the kitchen and not being controlled and to really eating from a place of joy. And so that 
that is very important to me. Um, so that's on the, the food end on, you know, the, in terms of caring for my body, I use, um, I wash my face with honey, which is something we, you and I've chatted about some and, um, and, you know, I've had the opportunity to, to share that on TV, which is so cool. Cause I'm like, yes, let's just get this message out to as many people as possible where, you know, I would so love to be able to, to see a world where we're using, um, so many of the same, uh, foods that we use to nourish our bodies on the inside to care for ourselves on the outside. And honey yeah. is this incredible natural cleanser and antibacterial agent and, natural preservative. So it's anti-aging and it balances our skin's pH and all of this stuff. So I use that regularly. And then I use, um, pure oils, whether that's a sweet almond oil or raw sesame oil or rose hip seed oil, or even olive oil, um, to, or coconut oil to moisturize, um, my skin. And, um, I am, you know, I try to just eat as many nutrient dense foods as I can. So a lot of like leafy greens and I'll supplement sometimes with greens powders. I I do really like greens powders for just like hefty doses of greens, especially if I'm having days that feel really busy and I don't know if I'm going to be able to get in like a huge salad or I just don't know what my eating schedule is going to be like. Um, And um, I find that I really just take two supplements. Um, I take a multivitamin and I take oil of oregano, which I love. Um, it's a super strong antifungal, antibacterial, really helps with, um, digestive health and immune function. And I love it. Um, and I, I, between, you know, those are really the supplements that I take. And between those, I find that they, they serve me quite well. Um, I'm a minimalist in a lot of ways, and I'm not somebody who like jumps on a ton of bandwagons. Um, and I'm not trying to like, Ooh, what's the latest superfood? Like I, I grew up surrounded by superfoods. You like I grew up with nutritional yeast and spirulina and you know, all of those like real sort of original hippie foods. Um, that, you know, my my mom was an incredible cook and a total health nut, as we've discussed. And so I grew up with all of that and I love it and it's a daily part of my life. But I also feel like you know, the way in which so many things are presented as a panacea is just, is a little bit bonkers. So I try to keep very level-headed about all of that. Yeah. I think you and I, well, we've talked about this, but share that kind of like with our trainings and things like overdosing on that world. Yeah. And yeah. I'm very, like <laughs> when everything you're saying that you do, I'm like, mm-hmm, yes. Yeah. <laughs> like I'm just like very simple. Let's just use a few things. Like what I eat, I can put on my face, you know, totally kind of like letting the pendulum swing back to just like, what, what are like, what just matters and what simple things can, can cover a lot of bases. So everything you're saying, I want to give my 
seal of approval too. Like, yeah. <laughs> what it's worth, but <laughs> yeah, thank you. And I, I just, I mean, for me, there are so many issues of class and race and um, privilege caught up in the way that self-care is presented mm-hmm. today that just really don't need to be there. Like the self-care is available to everyone at any moment. And it can be as simple as literally like using what you have in your pantry already. It is does not have to cost a fortune. It is not about, you know, spending money to get fancy sounding accoutrement to like, mm-hmm. you know, help change the way your life looks. I mean, it's just, it's literally just a matter for me really of simplifying. Mm-hmm. And I, to me, that's a very um, important piece that doesn't get quite talked about enough. Right. And that's honestly like what my, the underlying of like why I even started this podcast was to, to share that. Like it is more of a way of being and how you approach things and, and simplifying, uh, is how really you can hear yourself the best. You know, if we keep totally covering up, um, our, our inner voice with beautiful, fancy products that are labeled as self-care, like what, is that really self-care? Like, no. (laughs) And so it is like kind of, yeah, cutting through the noise a little bit. And that's part of one thing I try to be mindful of with what I do is like, how can I not just promote this kind of self-care industry that's bubbling up (laughs) and have it just be like, no, this is like, let's just talk with ourselves and see what's up. (laughs) Absolutely. But yeah, I have that conversation a lot of well, and and I always ask people like, well, what are your holdups with self care? And they're like, well, I can't afford it, and I can't. Da, 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 da. And right. It's it's always interesting to hear that response, but it's also very nice to help people work through that mental barrier and realize, yes. like you said, it's in your pantry. It's in your. It's actually time more so than yeah than actual thing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And I think all of it is of a piece, you know, there's so many, um, I think ideas around, well, I can't be, I I have to contort myself in one way or another to be, um, on, you know, to be on the same playing field as X, Y, or Z. And like, I can't really show my full self. I can't take care of myself in the way that I need to. And yet so much of it is about, really just like stripping away the pretense instead of putting on more. Mm-hmm. Yes, definitely. Um, and I, I always, I love hearing what other people are doing and not as a comparison, like, oh, well, I can't, you know, eat like Lily does or like, you know, not, not like that, but just seeing what all it can be, you know? Totally. Um, and so that's, I think that's one thing I, I struggle with sharing, like, how can I share what I do or what this other person does, um, without it causing that comparison? Cause I think that's another problem with self-care is we think it needs to look like what someone else is doing. Um, so that's something I'm still kind of experimenting with, but, um, but yeah, I appreciate you sharing, sharing your wisdom. Any other little things you want to add to your 
daily self-care or how you approach it as a whole? Yeah, I think, I mean, the honestly, the biggest practice for me is a moment-to-moment awareness of just being with what's going on in my mind and mm. just kind of like like keeping things clean in there, you know, it was like (laughs) meant like keeping, keep it like mental sanitation, just like keeping Mm -hmm. things as, as clean and clear as I can. And that means being really honest. And when something isn't working, not glossing over it, like getting Mm -hmm. to the root of it and not tolerating a lot of, um, BS, like not tolerating me beating up on myself, not tolerating, um, mental loops that, don't serve me, not tolerating relationships that don't serve me, like really getting clear and clean and honest and being willing to take action when something isn't working. And -hmm. I think that that for me is a moment to moment practice. Yeah. I love that. Um, And I think that honestly, your practice of doing that is what created space for you to do this honest Insta movement. Like it comes from doing the work yourself so you can actually share it in an authentic way that will land with people. And I think that might be the gap in when people are trying to be vulnerable is they haven't done the work first before they share it. (laughs) And so I just want to acknowledge that about you, like because you, you do the work with yourself, you're able to create this space for it to take on a life of its own. And for people listening, like to consider when they want to also share their vulnerability, it comes from being able to see it within. And, and like we said before, just like sitting with yourself. So, um, so your work is paying off on so many levels. Oh, thank (laughs) you. I, you know, I've been very, um, I'm very grateful for the therapists and, you know, teachers that I have had and and still have now that have really given me this um, ability to be kind of ruthless in a way. I do think it takes a a ruthlessness and that's Mm -hmm. not in any kind of cruel way, but it takes a commitment, you know, to, to want to get through to the other side more than our addiction to being in our stories and being in like the, the tumble of, of feeling helpless around being able to change. So thank you so much for uplifting that possibility and those, those questions. Sure. I love it. This is my favorite topic. Yes. (laughs) Um, Me too. Cool. Well, um, so I'll link to a bunch of stuff we talked about in, in the show notes for people, but, um, you know, be sure to follow Lily on, on Instagram and that's just Lily Diamond, right? Um, Yes. It's my name, um, Lily Diamond on Instagram and Twitter and on Facebook, it's Kale, K-A-L-E-A-N-D, Caramel, C-A-R-A-M-E-L. Cool. And follow the hashtag. And you do on your Instagram stories, you have that little category saved. So you can go back and, and see what everyone's posted so far, which is, I've gotten a lot out of. And in the comments on your posts as well. Yes. Um, yes. Well, both. All of those places I've, you know, I've tried to catch all of the 
people who have used the hashtag and, and tagged me so that I'm able to repopulate and put them into that highlight. It's wonderful, really heart opening to, mm-hmm. to see. Yeah. The, it, it's such a spectrum. Like there's so many that are just like, make me laugh. Cause I'm like, Oh my gosh. Yes, me too. And then other totally. ones where I'm like, can I just give you a hug? You know? Yeah, exactly. Um, so it's, it's good stuff. So. Exactly. I love Lily's elegant and respectful ways of addressing the topics of health, authenticity, and tending to our own needs. And I love, love what she mentioned towards the end of her approach to self-care, her practice of mental sanitation, the moment-to-moment awareness to keeping her mind clean and frequently cleaning it from negative self-talk and mental clutter. Yes. That is the foundation of self-care, my friends. All right, be sure to follow Lily and join in on the Honest Insta movement. The world needs your sweet voice. And be sure to tune in next week as the self-care conversation continues. Like I mentioned earlier, my next two episodes will be all about self-care for mental health. I will share with you my personal healing journey with depression how we as a collective community can talk about it and support our loved ones, and how you can nurture your own mental health condition in a safe, loving, and holistic way. This is a topic that means so much to me, and so I look forward to bringing some light to it, and I do hope you will tune in. Again, I am Randy Kay, your podcast host. I am a body worker, a therapeutic yoga teacher, a self-care coach, a nature educator, and the creator of naturallyrandyk.com, an online resource to explore the nature outside and within through healing self-care rituals. You can connect with me on Instagram at naturallyrandyk, that's naturally R-A-N-D-I-K-A-Y, and I invite you to join my new Facebook group called The Simple Self-Care Circle as an extension of this podcast community. We can keep today's conversation going over there. Just search the Simple Self-Care Circle over on Facebook and ask to join. It's also a great way to relate and be in community. So I hope to see you there. Until next time, take good care and enjoy the journey.